1: today on CityCast Madison, It's the Friday news roundup. Lassoed from the headlines this week? Is humanity one sick monkey away from another pandemic? Realtors are spending big to influence Madison City Council races, but the candidates they support want to put them out of commission. And to wrap it all up, we hold a funeral for a late-night burrito place closing its doors. It's Friday, March 24th. The whole team is here, Bianca Martin, Molly Stentz, and me, Dylan Brogan. And here's what Madison's talking about. It's the Great Friday Roundup, and we have Bianca Martin. Bianca. Hello. Molly Stentz, how you doing?
2: Hey, Dylan. Hello, Dylan's
1: cat. Yep, Frankie is <laughs> here as always causing trouble. She likes to attend Zoom meetings.
3: She literally just pulled the folder down from this thing.
1: Yeah, she's been very destructive today. Oh, man, every week I'm just so surprised at how much news there was. Sounds like you guys are surprised, too. I am stunned. Molly, you found something uh, really interesting from a UW vet magazine.
3: Yes,
2: so I get this magazine from the UW Vet Med School, right? Because I take my dog there to their clinic. And so I'm paging through it. And then I see this little story jump out at me. And it's like, oh, no big deal. There could be another huge pandemic virus among
1: us. No, not another one. That last one was so annoying. (laughs) That's one way to put it.
3: Yeah, the one we're still in.
1: Biden says that thing is over in May, so. Oh, I'll set my alarm. There's like a date. I think it's like, it's in early May. It's over then.
3: Oh, thank goodness.
1: We can just schedule it. Great.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So this one is called simian hemorrhagic fever virus. It occurs in wild primates. Just got to say, there's no evidence that it has jumped the species barrier yet to humans. Yet. Yet, okay. But the smart scientists at UW are always on the lookout for things that could be potential, you know, world changing, life ending events, right? And so Tony Goldberg, this UW professor, is saying that this could pose a significant health risk to humanity if, under the right conditions, it does spread to humans. So He's been researching this thing for years, and he's demonstrated that this virus can infect human cells. And it's, Uh. yeah, it seems to be pretty good at evading our our, uh, human immune system responses. What does that remind you of?
3: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Ebola, right? So hemorrhagic fever, right? It's like internal bleeding. Is that a good comparison?
2: Yeah. So this thing, yeah. Could it be the next Ebola? Could it be the next HIV? Uh, So we don't know. What we do know is that it's deadly to certain species of monkeys and that it could infect humans. You know, primates are a disease vector for us, right? Like that's how many people Mm -hmm. think HIV came to humans was from primates. And obviously that was a devastating disease that's still with us. So
3: I think the same for Ebola, I think. Yeah, yeah. Ebola is terrifying because it really, it's it has a really fast turnover once you get infected um, to when you need, you know, can receive treatment. And if you don't, like, I think, it, I don't know, it's like 10 days or 20. and
1: How do they know it can infect humans if it hasn't? Because he's been
2: researching it in his lab. So he's got a lab at UW. He's been studying this for more than a decade. Um, you can find, you know, search in the literature, Scientists have been studying this thing since the 60s, at least. There's been journal articles about it, about its potential, because scientists know, right, that primates are a, a vector. So they're always looking at things that could jump the species barrier. And this one they've demonstrated can. It just hasn't yet. So they're just demonstrating that it's there's a potential, there's a pathway. And if there was, it could be deadly and disastrous.
3: Well, I'm glad that they're like looking ahead. Like we want more preventative (laughs) sort of research happening. I can't help but think of the show. I don't know if you guys have watched it yet, but The Last of Us... It took me a second no. to get in, but a, a lot of folks are watching it. It's on HBO. Um, but basically, it's about an outbreak, which is, you know, mirroring the pandemic that we're happening, except for the outbreak uh, is from the cordyceps. It's like, a, the, like similar to the cordyceps fungus, the idea that a human body could be taken over by fungus zombies they're they're like zombies but like they use something from nature um that which is the cordyceps fungus which they've seen in ants like take over the ants body and like use its body as a vessel so this is a real thing and they extrapolated like if it could mutate and (laughs) take over the bodies of humans that's what the last of us is about i made it 28 minutes in And I was like, wait, I have to know if this could happen to us. It's it's obviously very unlikely, but outbreaks have a really powerful way of taking over our imaginations. Yeah,
2: I mean, especially after we've, you know, those of us who have been lucky enough to survive, right, this pandemic of the past
1: two and a half years. What are those zombies called? Fun guys?
3: I feel like I'm being too corny these days, to be honest, but they're very creepy. (laughs) <laughs> but we do sleep on fungi for sure.
1: Well, I'm uh, yeah, I'm glad they're studying this and it's another great thing about having a world-class university right in our backyard. You get to learn about upcoming apocalypses before most people. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thanks, Thank you guys
1: science. Science scientists. <laughs> but also like I hope they got the right protocols in place at this lab.
2: Oh, don't even go there. I'm not going
1: anywhere. I'm just saying lab protection generally is good. We don't want to be studying and all of a sudden, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean.
2: Assuming that this thing doesn't kill us all by April 4th, which, you know, let's be clear, seems like that's not not a a large likelihood,
3: right?
1: Yeah, 10% chance.
3: (laughs) Knocking on wood.
1: Before we wrangle up any more news, let's take a quick break. Bianca's got
0: weekend plans.
2: Assuming we're all still here on April 4th, we will still have to get up in the morning, go to work, and vote, right?
1: That's still happening, this election thing? Yes, and there's a local election happening, right? All 20 seats on the Mass and Common Council are coming up. So I did a little reporting this weekend. Imagine... you, Bianca, or you, Molly, you are uh, an engaged citizen, right? And you're like, hey, m- maybe I want to run for the localist of local offices. So you start a campaign, you knock on doors, and then one day you just you check your mailbox and you, and you see a, a piece of campaign literature and it has your face on it. And on the back, it explains your plan for the district. That would be really weird, right? You knew nothing about it.
3: Sound like someone took over my body. And <laughs> and we're
2: talking about, we're not talking about dog catcher here. We're talking about alders.
1: We're talking about alders. So this actually happened with nine uh, in nine alder races where the, the Realtors Association of South Central Wisconsin They have weighed in on campaigns before. Sometimes they give some money to the candidates. That's not what they're doing here. They're running like a full-fledged campaign supporting these nine Alder candidates. It's illegal for them to coordinate with the campaigns, but they're sending out mailers. They're putting up online ads, and they're paying for text messages, and it's $170,000 they're spending in our little council races this year, which is... Quite a bit of money. They're spending about $20,000 in, in eight of these races. And that's more than what typically Alders spend on their own campaigns.
2: So
3: these are packs.
1: Yes, this is a pack.
3: Political Action Committee. Wait, so the Alders are not collaborating with the Realtors Association. The Realtors Association decided we're going to endorse these characters, these humans, sorry, yes. <laughs> these are real people, um, without talking to them. Well, they can't talk support- to them. They can't talk to them. No,
1: that's not entirely unprecedented for like a group to send out a mailer in support of a candidate. But this level of spending has never been seen before. And even more interesting, all nine alders who have received the support from this Realtors Pact have said we oppose this outside spending.
2: Isn't that the whole game though? It's just like, "Oh, there's Super PAC spending money on me. I I'm not coordinating. I decry this," right? Isn't that what everybody says even if they are?
1: No, I think like the League of Conservation Voters supporting a Democrat in like, statewide offices, that support is usually welcome. You usually don't have the candidate who's getting help, essentially, uh, condemn it. So like, so Davey Mayer in District 6, he put, like, I was as surprised as anyone by these expenditures and knew nothing about them until they showed up in my mailbox. By law, I cannot coordinate with these groups. I strongly oppose these types of outside spending. Not only should we attempt to limit the activities of these groups, but this is yet another reason that we should have publicly financed local campaigns. So for me, what's really interesting is is how the localist of local elections in our Madison life is now seeing a, a, a huge amount of influence from outside groups.
2: That's my question. Like, what do the realtors want? Because we've seen the realtors like weigh in on elections. We've seen a lot of different organized groups weigh in on city council elections. Like, obviously, realtors, developers, they have a lot at stake in the city, like many of us. So what are they after?
1: I think some of that's a little bit unclear. It's called the the Realtors Association of South Central Wisconsin's Housing Advocacy Fund. And all these mailers uh, that they're putting out on behalf of candidates, they talk about affordable housing or, or want to create more housing of, on all levels for all income levels. So you could see why building more housing that would benefit realtors in some sense. But no, I think that's a little bit of why there was some outrage about this from neighborhood groups and others. And hey, the candidates came out against it is because it's so unclear what exactly realtors are are trying to influence here and what that effect will be. Maybe it's just a sign that little old Madison's growing up and we have big city problems now.
3: (laughs) Shoot. Has
2: anyone talked to the realtors? Like, we can coordinate with them. I mean... By that, I mean, we can call them and ask them what's going on as
1: journalists. Oh, I I did that. They said, we are excited to help inform the public about the candidates that that realize that we cannot move Madison forward without building housing that is available to all. And we will continue to create compelling campaigns to help residents. Well, anyway, they spelled one of the alders' names wrong on the mailer they put out for them.
2: That's cool. So, how did they pick, though? Like, what was the criteria?
1: That is unclear too. That I mean, the question I asked the treasurer of this group directly was, "How did you pick the candidates?" And I did not get uh, an answer from that.
2: <laughs> Intrigue. <laughs> uh,
1: this is just something I saw. It's like completely unconfirmed, but I, apparently, I think they send out questionnaires or surveys, like, f- to their members, other realtors, about who they want to support, and I suppose that's how they make it. But. Interesting that everyone, all nine candidates who received this support condemned it and said, we don't like this.
2: Realtors, we want to know too, did you know about this? Did you know this group is doing this? If you're a realtor in Madison, what do you think about this? Let us know. Madison at citycast.fm.
3: Money and politics, it's this isn't new. It isn't like fully unprecedented. And it's kind of the discussion right now. It's just like how how free and fair are our elections and what role does money play? I'm definitely chewing on that one myself.
1: Uh, Everyone should check the mailers to see who actually sent them, because it's very confusing and on not close inspection. You'd think they were from the candidates.
3: Speaking of chewing, y'all, that's my cue. The infamous Burrito Drive is closing. This Sunday, March 26th, is their last day. I am still in disbelief. Nonetheless, we are here. <laughs> so I'm going to take a couple of minutes to eulogize. Uh, reading from <laughs> local... Okay. Is that okay with you guys? Go
1: right ahead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not we don't have a burrito uh, restaurant die every week. So go right ahead.
3: Thank you. Um, But we do have a burrito hearse somewhere. Uh, just, I don't know. Not Death isn't funny.
1: A burrito. I mean, this is not funny, but I'm sorry. Continue with your eulogies.
3: Death by burritos. That could happen. Death is serious.
1: I'm going to put a little music behind here, like inspirational music. So go ahead. Okay.
3: I am reading speci- specifically from local poet and educator Sasha DeBebeck McKittie's tweets. So this starting with Sasha's. Burrito Drive is closing. Put all the flags at half-mast. Jewels. All thanks to Burrito Drive for teaching me what a beautiful and tragic thing a girl falling asleep, still clutching her burrito at 5 a.m. could be. Eldridge. This might be the saddest I've been about a restaurant closing. It's been a while, but I'll always miss that 3 a.m. option. Crep Caitlin tweeted, I haven't eaten here in years and it was never that good, but this is still a tragedy. Liz Haynes, there will be a massive burrito shaped void in my life. Please, someone save them or open another burrito joint. SJB, in the cards ever since they got rid of the white trash burrito. I second that. By the way, the white trash burrito had um, tater tots. And Scott Gordon, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pool our money. $15,000 should do it. We're going to buy a dozen chest freezers. We're going to place the largest order in Burrito Drive history and store these things for our own survival. And so that future generations know how beautiful life can be. Oh my God, Scott. (laughs) A moment of silence, please.
1: Ah, oh, times like these, I'm reminded of the passage of time and just our own
2: mortality. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I'm not going to say any anything ill of the nearly dead. I mean, I've certainly ordered <laughs> burrito drive on the, but you know, it always it it always seems like a mistake afterwards, though.
3: Yes, eating it.
2: Why are they closing though? Does anyone know?
1: Uh, I think they've been uh, they've had a long run. They're probably really tired.
3: They're really tired of staying out so late. It
2: just seemed like they cornered the delivery business, which was kinda like pandemic proof,
1: right? I don't know. I know a little bit more than I'd like care to admit about this, unfortunately. Spill it. But didn't they after the pandemic during at some point they they really cap the hours like i think the last year or two they've only been open till 10 and i don't see how that place worked without being open till 3 a.m that was like kind of the whole point was it was the only place you could go right the only place that was open
2: oh that was the death blow Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, that would be the only time I'd order it. Like, I've got a sad story to share, but I just recently accidentally ordered Burrito Drive on one of the delivery apps. Like, I thought I was ordering Canteen, and Burrito Drive arrived, and I ate, like, 40% of the, like, I ate the chips and some of the guac. But I it's just not, it's not food you want in the day. <laughs>
1: And didn't they have, like, at the actual restaurant, like, a dance club scene at some point in their history? Oh. I just heard that, so.
3: It was certainly a scene. It's almost like Ian's, yeah. you know, like Ian's, the pizza joint, you know, at the at State Street. It's like, what are you going to get? Ian's? Oh, Ian's is closed? Well, you've always got Burrito Drive. I will say I posted on my Instagram just the news story, and I got, like, 15 responses, most of which were, no! No! Um, but I did get one from local artists and my friend, Loudon, who said, Bye, Beach. Can't stand them. They suck. <laughs> so some honesty I was a little there.
2: surprised at the response. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think what it says to me is just what I have always felt about Madison, which is it's too hard to find a place to eat late at night here. And that's always surprised me. Like, don't we have enough people to support late night menus?
1: real diner with bad but awesome coffee uh, toast and bacon and hash browns and eggs and that's all they serve it would be genius right
3: yes
2: not on the interstate right that's actually like in town
1: yes and it doesn't have to be yes and it has to be good but it doesn't have to be crazy expensive
3: business opportunity y'all the call is out we need some more late night And thank you guys for letting me eulogize uh, Burrito Drive from Sasha's tweet. Um, (laughs) I was very impressed with the outpouring. For me, now it's more like Casablanca. It's going to be a memory after this Sunday, March 26th. So I'm going to leave on saying we'll always have Paris.
1: Bianca Martin, Molly Stentz, thanks for rounding up the news this week. You lost me on the way to Burrito Drive.
3: (laughs) That's a country song. You lost me on the way to Burrito Drive.
1: (laughs) That's all for today here on City Cast Madison. Our host is Bianca Martin. This podcast is produced by Molly Stentz and me, Dylan Brogan. Music is by Carl Christensen. You can get more news delivered right to your inbox from our friends at Madison Minutes. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a mortician about us? I'm sure they're dying to know. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. I like that we're sticking with the Western theme. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Yeehaw! Roundup.